0: Hello, this is Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with a Slate spoiler special podcast on Twilight, the new teen vampire movie. Be warned that we will be spoiling um, as advertised in the title. So if you haven't seen the movie, you haven't read the book, and you're dying to know what happens in Twilight, but don't want us to tell you, then tune in later. I'm here with Julia Turner, Slate's deputy editor. Hi, Julia. Hi, Dana. Hi, Dana. So uh, I'm actually going to pitch the plot summary over to you because you, unlike me, have read—have you read all the Twilight books or only the first one?
1: No, there are four books, and I've read only the first one, and I should admit here I only read the first one because it was all I could stomach. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The books are compelling but terribly, terribly. And you were interested just because it's a huge bestseller and you wanted to see what it was all about? Yeah, I wanted to see what it was all about, and I'm generally interested in young adult fantasy success. I mean, I really liked the Philip Pullman books, and I really liked the Harry Potter books. I tend to like and read— those books. But I read this one and did not like it. So the plot of Twilight is that a girl named Bella Swan, who is sort of clumsy and has no particular characteristics, moves to her father's home in the small town of Forks, Washington, where she meets a clan of vampires, although they merely appear to be very handsome, rich high school students at first, and falls in love with one of them. And then they moon around for a while, loving (laughs) each other. Uh, But not they
0: moon around for about six hundred pages. It looks like from the size of the book. It's a very hefty book.
1: So they admire each other and 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 fall in love protractedly. And this love is somewhat allowable because Edward is a vampire who is a a vegetarian and does not eat humans; only uh, eats animals. And then there's another clan of vampires who are not so uh, vegetarian, who pursue and hunt humans. Eventually, they recognize that Edward loves Bella the human. They decide to hunt her, and thus we are taken to the stirring climax of of the book
0: and the setup for the next book and the next movie. Obviously, which is that you know this this more ruthless clan of human eating vampires is gonna is gonna move in and try to break up the Bella and, and Edward relationship by eating Bella. That would effectively <laughs> end it. But then we should also mention that I mean the center of the movie is actually not this this kind of crime plot about the vampires, the bad vampires going around killing people, but more this kind of very long Romeo and Juliet-like sort of wrong side of the tracks love story where human falls in love with vampire and essentially they have to hold off from ever consummating their relationship because he might
1: just eat her alive. Yeah, the, I think the key phrase in both the movie and the book is if I lost control for even one moment I could break your neck. I don't know what I would do. I would consume you. And so they just sort of look at each other and think about each other and sort of stroke each other's arms tenderly for a while, for like long passages of the book Well, and the here's movie. where
0: we should talk about the difference between the book and the movie because I found that the movie really divided very clearly into the first 30 or 40 minutes which was all this kind of passive, you know, meaningful, angsty teen staring at, that was completely completely boring and, and unintentionally laughable, but that when the love story actually kicked in and the you know suspense plot about vampirisms actually kicked in, that in its weird, pulpy way, the movie became kind of great. And you were saying that this early teen staring part is essentially what the book is from beginning to end.
1: Yeah, I, I was interested to see this movie because I really, really didn't like the book, in part because I think the book is atrociously written, It's sort of like a bad Harlequin romance novel, except it doesn't get you hot and bothered because it's so badly written. And then also because I think it has just, its Bella is a terrible role model for young girls. I think the gender politics of the book are completely messed up, which we can touch on later. But I was surprised to find that the, movie is actually much better than the book because it cuts way down on all the passages where Bella and Edward just stare at each other and say inane things, even though there are still many, many scenes in the movie where they stare at each other. And- I want you to read that passage from the book at this this juncture because I think it captures certainly the
0: mood of, of the book apparently goes on and on for pages like this, but also that mood of the, of the early part of the movie that is all about, you know, just two kids in biology class kind of staring at each other meaningfully. Right. But you should know before reading this passage that in both the book and the movie, the vampires have this particular quality that I've never seen in another vampire- booker movie where when they stand in full sunlight they have iridescent skin that glitters like diamonds.
1: Yeah, they basically um they they become brilliantine sort of so it begins Edward in the sunlight was shocking. I couldn't get used to it, although I'd been staring at him all afternoon. His skin, white despite the faint flush from yesterday's hunting trip, literally sparkled like thousands of tiny diamonds were embedded in the surface. He lay perfectly still in the grass, his shirt open over his sculpted, incandescent chest, his scintillating arms bare, his glistening pale lavender lids were shut, though of course he didn't sleep. And then she goes on to say, I reached out one finger and stroked the back of his shimmering hand, where it lay within my reach. I marveled again at the perfect texture, satin smooth, cool as stone. When I looked up again, his eyes were open, watching me. Butterscotch today, lighter, warmer after hunting. His quick smile turned up the corners of his flawless lips. And that note on Butterscotch is that one of his other vampire qualities is that when he's hungry for blood, his eyes are dark black, but once he's sated with a hunting trip to go eat some friendly young Bambi does, they turn a uh, like golden cat color.
0: He has a strange in
1: the in the description
0: that you read he has this sort of doll-like quality. You can see why this is a huge success with 12 13 year old. I don't know what the age is exactly that this appeals to, but it seems like it's just one step beyond playing with dolls and it's sort of it's some step in between that and some kind of erotic reverie about boys. I, I wonder if that's part of
1: the appeal for for these young girls. I mean, we were it's in so the, static and strange. It's it, it's not like a real human man. <laughs> In any way, and it's it was funny. I mean, we were in this screening last night that had some some young girls in it, and the lights went down, and before even a moment, even anything had appeared on the screen, there was just shrieking in the theater. Edward, I love you, Edward Cullen. Woo! So, in some ways, maybe maybe the appeal to these young girls is that it is this sort of sexless fantasy of romance. It's a weird fantasy, though, because they just have such a such boring conversations. I had trouble getting into it.
0: Well, but I have to say that I, I mean. As a sexy story, it goes nowhere. It's almost more like an, a story about abstinence, right? Because they can't they can't consummate anything. They even only kiss one time in the movie. But as a love story, I don't know. I have a little bit of a weakness for you know this kind of female pathology <laughs> love story, and I actually found. That the part where they were supposedly falling in love, and there were these sort of great metaphors for falling in love, for example, when he takes her, not exactly flying because he can't fly, but he takes her on this crazy sort of treetop chase through these very high pine trees. And these kind of lyrical passages that showed them falling in love, when we didn't have to actually see them acting and looking at each other, were kind of moving. We should mention that the director is Catherine Hardwick, who made, well, 13 is the movie she's most associated with. I think it's her only other film besides this. No, no, she also made the Nativity Story the um the the oh yeah the that's right she made mary. the story about mary which is i thought was a complete failure but i forgot that was a and hard And she also movie. did um
1: i think didn't she oh, do Lords, Lords of Dog Dogtown Lords yeah. of
0: Dogtown that's right
1: um i mean it's i think that whoever chose her to direct this movie is a genius because to my mind she broadens the appeal of it i mean it's it's a really beautiful production the the sense of color and place and the production design is beautiful it's it really takes full advantage of the of the kind of gloomy overcast uh it's like Pacific Northwest Gothic, and it's just beautiful, beautiful shots of land with that rich color that you get when the sky is overcast. I I just thought it was amazing to look at, first of all. And then also, Catherine Hardwick is just so smart about the weird politics and obsessions of teenage girls – or at least good at portraying them with a lot of detail. Yeah, I think she
0: understands adolescence. And the writer, Melissa Rosenberg, who previously wrote for The O.C. and Party of Five, <laughs> and also, I guess, wrote the um, the step dance movie Step Up, which you liked, right? Oh, yes. That's, a, that's
1: one of my preferred in the dance movie pantheon
0: (laughs) so she yeah i think there's something that she that the two of them together get for one thing just this movie being written and directed by women is interesting because it clearly is trying to appeal to the sort of like younger sex in the city demographic this sort of like not necessarily healthy fantasies of a big demographic of girls but there's something about the mood of this movie you're right the 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 look of it the production design that that even with all the risible acting and we, we should say that i think that the um the boy who was so carefully chosen, Rob Pattinson, to play, you know, this ultra desirable teen vampire is a terrible actor.
1: He really is. I mean, it's sort of like he just stares wide-eyed and and doe in the, deer in the headlights into the distance.
0: Maybe it's not even so much that he's a terrible actor. Poor boy. He was just not given anything to do except stand around being iridescent and, and meaningful.
1: He kind of – he has some lines in, the, in it that are kind of wisecracky responses to – Bella, her one quality is that she's a sardonic teenager who doesn't buy into the whole prom and giggling uh, teenage girlhood. She's a little too cool for school, which I think is perhaps part of her appeal as a character. But um, the character, Edward, does have some... Reposts to her wisecracks that I didn't think he'd deliver particularly well. I think someone could have done more with it. But it's also just an impossible task. I wrote a piece when that Troy movie came out a couple years ago about the impossibility of finding someone to play Helen of Troy, because when the whole point of the character is that they just typify beauty, that they are beauty itself personified, any specific instance of it is going to be less than whatever you imagine when you read the text and project your own particular ideas about beauty onto it. So. Anybody would be a disappointment in some ways. I mean, I guess he's more of a disappointment from an acting perspective than if he looked fine, I guess. He seemed to be a big hit with the teen girls in the theater anyway. Yeah, it seemed like he was working for them there. But I think, I mean, the thing that's interesting about, about the book and that's complicated about its gender politics is on the one hand, it's very okay with the idea of teenage girls having sexual desire and being all about ogling boys and men, which is, you know, not a, a classic Thing to encourage young girls to do. On the other hand, Bella is a complete victim. She can't do anything except be rescued all the time. All she wants, once she discovers how much she loves uh, Edward, is to be made a vampire so that she can give up her normal life and just live with him forever in vampire love. You know, she basically wants to die, to be with him, and she keeps imploring him to kill her, to suck her blood, to turn her into a vampire, and he refuses. He wants her to just have a nice, normal life and grow old, and they can live in some house together where he still looks like a pale, icy 17-year-old and she grows into her dotage. And so they have these sort of conflicting fantasies about their future, which I guess probably set up the tensions for the rest of the series. But she's she's just, I don't know. I mean, is this a, is this a set of books that you think you'd want your daughter to read based on what you saw last night? No, day? I
0: have to say it's, it sounds like the books especially and the movie to some extent too are sort of horrible moral messages for young girls. But at the same time, I mean, isn't there something kind of compelling about getting to have a politically incorrect fantasy. You know, God knows that men, the large demographics of men, get to have very politically incorrect, incorrect fantasies all the time. And I don't know, I guess once your your girl was old enough, 16, 17 years old, that, you know, they're probably reading these books anyway, I don't think there would be
1: anything wrong with, with showing them this movie. No, I mean, I I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just when you compare Bella to... Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh yeah, she's not spunky. She is not a spunky character at all. No, all she ever does is say, "Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I wouldn't be good at that." She is smart. They make a point of showing that she's just as good at science as Edward Cullen, who's had to take science for the past eighty years since he's been a vampire, as he's perpetually pretended to go to high school. So she's not ditzy or dumb or anything, but she's she just is has no desire other than to be with this dude.
0: So why is it then that along with me, we both sort of walked out of this movie saying, wow, it actually, you thought that it improved on the book. And I I don't know, I just, I thought that there was actually something sort of achingly, excruciatingly, and, you know,
1: extremely in a silly way, but just just very romantic and beautiful about it. I just think it's beautiful. I think that's the right word. I think the production design, the the sense of landscape, and the the way that uh, Hardwick conveys the speed of the vampires, these are very fast vampires who can sprint and run around. Was impressive. I mean, I walked out of the movie with that feeling that I had at the end of the Matrix, where I sort of felt my physicality in the world slightly differently. You know, where you you, after seeing the Matrix, you were so used to the things coming at you at seven thousand miles an hour that I I remember trying to drive home on an interstate afterwards and like repeatedly having to force myself not to break the speed limit (laughs) (laughs) because I just expected things to come flying at me that fast. And I had a similar, I don't know, broody gothic hangover when I walked out of the theater, where I went down into the subway station and. Men were bustling past me in their <laughs> and coats, and you glared iridescently at them. I was thinking, oh, these like secret vampire men in the bowels of New York. <laughs> you know, it just it it was it was um, you know, like a tone poem or a mood piece. Like it just it it got the feel of this broody, dark world in a really neat, I'm with beautiful you there. Way. But
0: unlike you, I think I was actually somewhat moved by the love story too. And maybe that's just because you know I have a bigger masochistic streak or something. But I feel like I spent my whole twenties pining after men who were far worse for me than any vampire could ever
1: be. <laughs> Oh, I, I maybe I would have been freer to enjoy the love story in the movie if I hadn't read the love story in the book, which is just so dopey. But I just I'm I never I never like the the love at first sight love stories. I I don't like Romeo and Juliet either. And I would argue that I don't I don't actually think Shakespeare thinks Romeo and Juliet are a great pair of romantic heroes either. I think he's sort of making fun of them too a little bit in that play. I I just I don't know. I never go for those stories. But Get I, to know each other, kids. Come on. Have a couple conversations. <laughs> have a soda at the mall before you kill All yourselves. they talk about is what it's like to be a vampire. First, she spends a lot of time figuring out that he is a vampire and doing, like, Google research. Then... They talk about what it's like to be a vampire. Then they talk about whether or not she should ever be a vampire. They have, like, no. Then And then there's a couple places when they learn that they can't kiss and make out like normal teenagers where they talk in her bed late into the night. But they do that in a montage with music over it so you, they don't actually have to invent any real interesting conversation in to them to have because they have nothing to talk about besides I guess as vampirism. was the case
0: with the movie 13, which had a way better performance from Evan Rachel Wood than anyone in this movie gives, I think. But it, it had in some ways a similar story in that it was about... The early teenage years and all the pathological, crazy, but yet strangely pleasurable and compelling things that they make people do. And I, I feel like Catherine Hardwick just gets that world really, really
1: well. And she does. But that you're language. reminding me that that movie was, to my mind, the the dark pull in that movie was much more powerful. Sort of the. You know, the Evan Rachel Wood character is sort of a halfway innocent girl with a wild streak who befriends – am I remembering this right? Who befriends sort of a wild child girl who has her huffing glue and, like, cutting and running around. I don't don't have the details quite right, but basically leads her into wild behavior, wild, promiscuous, drug-abusing behavior. And that – the magnetism of that bad friend character to me was much more powerful and well drawn than the magnetism of the brooding Edward Cullen. I
0: absolutely agree, and this is sort of a repackaging, a much more mass market repackaging of some of the same ideas. So it's you know it's not near as as well done, and it's not near as as smart. But I think it it, it has that same appeal to a you know to a completely different kind of audience.
1: Here's my question for you: Do you think this movie is going to be big just with Twilight fans, or do you think it will cross over into the general?
0: That's a good question. My, I mean,
1: my question would be more, will boys like it and
0: will boys go and see it? And can it possibly succeed if they don't? You know, maybe that's why I thought of Sex in the City as a kind of marketing comparison. But I it, it well, it converted me to want to see the next Twilight movie. I'll say that I'm not going to go and read, you know, the 600 page books, I but advise against. <laughs> but something about even though I was rolling my eyes throughout at various moments, I have to say that when those little giveaways started to be planted at the end that something was going to be revealed in the next movie i thought gee i really want to see how that turns out totally especially if hardwick directs it if
1: they turn it over
0: to somebody else, oh yeah they have to leave it in her hands but i have a feeling she will because if this is even a modest hit it just seems like it's really her she's very at home in this milieu well julia thanks so much for seeing the movie and bringing your expertise on the the book i'm ashamed to have such expertise but happy to share it (laughs) and uh thank you for joining me on this slate spoiler special for slate.com i'm dana stevens